today. Would you stand with us, please? We're going to be worshiping the Lord this morning with some exciting music. Blessed be your name. Blessed be your name when I'm found in the desert place. Where I walk through the wilderness. Blessed be your name. Every blessing you pour out, I'll turn back to praise. When the darkness closes in Lord i 
give. Do you turn to your neighbor this morning and welcome them? We are so honored to have you here with us today. worshiping this morning, want you get a little excited here, okay? Because God is worthy of all of our praise. Amen? Amen. It's okay to have a little bounce in your step this morning. God is worthy, and it's a party whenever we're celebrating what Jesus does for us. Amen. I'm trading my sorrows, and I'm trading my shame. Yes, 
excited today worshiping God. We can give God all the praise and the glory this morning. Amen? Amen. You know this next song well. Let's continue to give all the praise and glory to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I know you recognize this one, so we do. We want you to praise God this morning with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind. He's worthy of everything.
be seated as we're praising God this morning. Wow, you should be a little excited now, right? Amen. Vanessa's excited. I like it. guest in our church uh, this morning, Anthony Vahela and his wife, Jamie. Come on up here, Jamie. And they're five kids. And uh, they are 
make, laying the groundwork to become missionaries in the Czech Republic. And so many people have already said, Pastor, we thank you for bringing these people by because, because we identify with their heritage. You know, they're going to be over there right around Austria, Poland, Germany, uh, Slovakia. And boy, we got a lot of people in our church with that, uh, with that background. And so let's welcome them. He's going to say a word about his ministry. Uh, good morning. Uh, my name is Anthony. It's my wife, Jamie. And that's the rest of the crew. Uh, as you can see up there, they're in the Sunday school. And uh, I got a pointer right here. That's Rachel, Sarah, Joshua, <laughs> Hannah. And that's little Isaiah. He's a, he's a chirper. He was born under a bridge. That's a story. Uh, we didn't make it to the hospital. Anyway, we are we're missionaries to the Czech Republic. Uh, I'm originally from Czech. And so uh, uh, coming here to the United States at age 17, not being able to hear the gospel or seeing the Bible until that time, uh, uh, it was uh, one of the ways that God really uh, moved in our lives as to what we should do. And so... Knowing that uh, none of my parents, grandparents, friends, relatives, anybody that I uh, knew growing up uh, has ever heard the gospel, uh, we have a strong desire to go and uh, minister the gospel to the people in Czech. It's, uh, it's known as the most atheistic country in the world, which means most of people uh, do not believe there is a God whatsoever. Uh, it's, as far as Christianity, it has less than one quarter of a percent of Christians. And so uh, we're going to do uh, several things. We're going to plant church in a city of about 60,000 people where there is, again, very little gospel. We are actually already, uh, we have already launched a small seminary that's uh, part of a local church, which will allow us to train leaders. And so we'll be part of that and also publish books. Because in a country like Czech Republic, pastors usually do not have uh, Bible helps. Um, things that can help them to minister well to their to their people, and so what you want to do is help them out by translating or writing some good things uh, for them to use, um, as those things were not during communist regime uh, allowed to be printed. So, those are some of the things uh, that we'll be doing. Uh, some of you, I think, I've seen in the Sunday school, and so if we haven't talked and you would like to talk to us a little more, we'll be at that little booth out front. After the service, we have a newsletter you can sign up. We have our website. You can check, check all the different things out. There, there are a few videos there as well, even for little kids. Just kind of give them a little tour of Czech Republic. And so we would love to talk to you. Uh, we definitely covet your prayers as this is uh, it's, uh, not easy going. And so we thank you so much for having us here. Thank you. Thank you. He's, he's going to go back and be in one of our Sunday school classes now. He was in a class uh, earlier and uh, interacting with the people. We're so happy to have you here today. When you drove up on the property this morning, you see the tents and everything down below? Uh, that's, we, had, we had a big event here last night. All of our teenagers are not in the service, as you see. I don't know where they are. But they slept out during that storm last night on the church property with their counselors. And I bumped into Rachel Reynolds this morning. She can't see it all straight. She said, I was up all night, 
but uh, they're still having their party and it's, it's going great. So that's where they are this morning. Please reach in the book rack right there in front of you and see if you can find one of our little friendship folders, that black folder. And if you'll be so kind to put your name on that and give it to a person next to you, we'll appreciate that a lot. We thank you so much throughout the summer for being faithful to your church. Uh, it's always reflected in, in our Sunday Courier, our tithes and our offerings. We thank you much for that. You're doing well this summer. And I think one of the reasons why is because we're praying over our summer prayer list. You know, we still have a few weeks left to pray through the list, and now it's becoming a praise list because God's answered so many of our prayers already that we've been praying for this summer. You know, all of our short-term missionary people have just returned from Ecuador, and uh, we got them all back safe and sound, and we thank God for that. We had a terrific... Uh, vacation Bible School up here at the church and many, many workers of our people st stood up and, and uh, worked in that. And so you just keep praying with fervency this list because summer is, uh, we still have some weeks left and we want to finish summer strong. Let's stand together please as our ushers come. We'll receive our morning offering together at this time. Dear Lord, we thank you for this day which you've given to us. We thank you for the means of income that we have, the strength, the vitality that we have to go to work and make a living. We pray now that as we give our tithes and offerings that you'll bless each gift and each giver. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. You may be seated. Just
Let's open our Bibles today, please, to the book of James in the New Testament. Book of James, chapter 1. If you were here last week, you remember we were in chapter 2, but uh, the week before, we didn't get all of chapter 1 finished, so I thought we've got to go back and touch on that before we move on. You know, whenever you come to the book of James, I, I know that you like it because it looks so much like the book of Proverbs in the Old Testament. In fact, people call it the Proverbs of the New Testament because as you work your way through it, it has all these little topics that it deals with, things that you and I need as Christians today. And when you come to the end of it, you say to yourself, wow, that is so relevant. That is so needed in my life. We like to begin reading in verse number 17. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights with whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. Of his own will, we, will he, he brought us forth. That, that literally means he saved us, brought us forth. By the word of truth, that's the Bible, that we might be a kind of firstfruits of his creatures. So then, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, and slow to wrath, that the wrath of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Therefore, lay aside all filthiness and overflow of wickedness, and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. Again, we find the word of God is that which God uses in our heart to bring us to salvation. It is able. But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. If anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man observing his natural face in a mirror. For he observes himself, goes away, and immediately forgets what kind of man he was. And he who looks into the perfect law of liberty. Now this is, again, the Bible right here. The perfect law of liberty and continues in it, and is not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this one will be blessed in what he does. God has promised a blessing for those who not only hear the word, there are plenty of them in the world, right? Drive down the road and listen to the radio. Turn on the television. The word of God is all over America. And many people are just hearing the word of God. They're not like owning it. They're not like obeying it. Well, the Bible says here, if we are a doer of it, then we will be blessed in our life. Verse 26. If any, if any among you thinks that he is religious and does not bridle his tongue, but deceives his own heart, this one's religion is useless. Pure and undefiled religion before God and the Father is this, to visit the orphans and the widows in their trouble and to keep oneself spotted from, unspotted from the world. This book is so meaningful for, for your life today. As you read it, I don't think you can read any part of it that you can't say, hey, listen, this is for me right now. Uh, the Word of God is just designed that, like that for every generation. James is the author. Uh, he is the brother of our Lord. Not James the Apostle, but James the brother of our Lord. The Bible says the brothers of our Lord were reluctant to receive him as their Savior when they were growing up. In fact, in John chapter 7, verse 5, the scripture says, even his brothers did not believe in him. 
And later, Jesus said, listen, a prophet is, has no honor in his hometown and none in his own home. And he said that uh, by personal experience. But after a period of time, after the resurrection, the scripture says that Jesus appeared to James in his resurrected form. And it was at that particular time that James, the brother of Jesus, embraced Jesus as his savior. He was so excited thereafter that he completely dedicated his life to the service of Christ. So much so that whenever he wrote this book, the first verse says this, James, a bondservant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ. The word bondservant there in the Greek language is the word doulos, which literally means slave. And so when James wrote the book of James, the brother of our Lord, he didn't say, hey, listen, I'm the brother of our Lord. Listen to me. I grew up with him. He said, I am first and foremost a slave of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's the way I want to be known. I am a slave. Uh, he became the uh, prominent pastor of the church in Jerusalem. In fact, he was noted also as old camel knees because he prayed so much. He had calluses all over his knees. Well, uh, this is the James of which we speak this morning and who speaks to us from the past. First of all, what I'd like to do is kind of hit on a few of these high points. And if you were here a couple weeks ago, uh, you, you'll remember some of this material. First of all, James talks about the attitude that we should have toward trials. And when he, when he men mentions this, <coughs> excuse me, when he mentions this, these attitudes, <coughs> excuse me, is Pastor Ken here? Could somebody go find Ken? Uh, he said that our attitude should be an attitude of joy. Uh, now, this is like oil and water, isn't it? Our attitude should be an attitude of joy. Uh, that doesn't work, does it? Whenever we have trials come into our life, uh, we, we, it's hard for us to be joyful, right? But the reason why he says that is because that whenever trials come into our life, God is trying to teach us something that will make us better Christians. And we are to learn from it. Look at, look at verse number two. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials. Here he gives the reason. Knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience or endurance. This is, the why, this is the reason we should be joyful. Because when trials come our way, God is trying to make us stronger. Now, I know that sounds so trite. Because who, who, among, us want to, who among us want to be, uh, to have trials in our life? Don't we spend a lot of time in our life trying to, trying to keep trials away from us? Trying to insulate ourselves from trials? James says here, I want you to embrace these trials because God is doing a work in your life and he's trying to produce endurance in your life, which Philo says to him is one of the greatest virtues that anybody can have, trials. 
The next thing he talks about is the expectation of God's aid, and that is wisdom. Uh, you know, whenever these trials come into our life, we should expect God to help us through them. God doesn't allow trials to come into our life to, um, to crush us. He allows trials to come into our life to strengthen us and to teach us what we need to know for the future. And so what happens, I think this is the way it's supposed to work. This trial is supposed to, to build our life for the next trial. And this is always the question, do we ever run out of trials, and what's the, name, what's the, what's the answer to that? <laughs> you know, just about the time you think you have your life, like, uh, worked out, uh, bomb number 18 goes off, and you think, my goodness. Um, and, so, and so, look at verse number 5. If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God who gives to all men liberally and without resentment, and it will be given. He says, whenever you have these trials come in your life, I want you to ask God for wisdom. Now remember, this wisdom, now follow me here. This wisdom is predicated by us asking God. Because I've seen Christians, and so have you, that have wilted under their trials and said, listen, I just don't know which way to go. And I think what God is saying here through James is, listen, when the trials come on your life and you ask God, he'll give you wisdom to show you how to navigate through the trials of your life. Uh, all of us same, face the same issues. You know, we're trying to figure out how to make a living. We're trying to figure out how to raise our kids. We're trying to figure out how to keep our home together. You know, these are all things common with us. And so we have all these issues that come up. And what happens, what happens is we need wisdom when, when bombs go off. We have to slow our life down. We can't like jump into a situation and say, okay, I'm going I'm to save the situation. We have to ask God. Now, this is really neat. We have to ask God and say, Lord, please give me your wisdom to navigate the waters of this trial. And look what the scripture says in verse number five. If any of you lack wisdom, God will give it to you liberally. Now that's one of the promises of God in the Bible for you and for me. All of us need wisdom to make the right decision because decisions are the hinges upon which the door of destiny turns. You know, you make a wrong decision, it could mess up everything. And so it's critical that we slow down and we make the right kind of decisions. And so the next thing James talks about is the expectation of God's aid, and that is wisdom. The next thing is the awareness of our identity. Uh, look at verse number 10. But the rich in his humiliation, because as a flower of the field, he will pass away. Now remember two weeks ago, I talked to you about the haves and the what. Do you remember? The have-nots. Uh, the world is made up of those people. Those who have it, those who don't. And what he's saying here is I want you to realize your identity. It doesn't make any difference if you have it or if you don't have it. And here's the reason. is because everyone is very temporary. That's the reason. 
Don't get so hung up with the haves or the have-nots because every one of us are allotted the same amount of time on earth. The scripture says our life is a vapor. It appears for a little time and then it vanishes away. It's very temporary. I remember somebody was interviewing Billy Graham one time and they said to him, um, what's the greatest surprise in the ministry? And he said, just like that, he said, my greatest surprise is how fast it all went. I read the, I read the biography of Billy Graham. I, I encourage you to do the same. I think it's about 700 pages, so you've got to be a, good read, uh, a long reader. Uh, I was amazed that one life could do so many things. I mean, it, it just like blew my life. It, it almost looked like the, he was talking about five people rather than one. But the thing that surprised him most was how fast his life went. And I think at the end of the road, in a similar way, that may be what you're going to say too. I can't believe how fast it all went. And so we have to have an awareness of our identity. Uh, don't worry about being on top. Just be thankful that God's given you an opportunity to play the game. And he's provided the needs according to Matthew 6.33. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Well, the expectation. Um, the next is the acceptance of responsibility. And what is that? That's endurance. This is the responsibility of believers right here. Look at verse 12. Blessed is the man who endures. Remember, up further in the chapter, it talks about God is allowing these trials to come into our life to produce endurance. Now it says, blessed is the person who endures trials, for when he has passed the test... He will receive the crown of life, which the Lord has promised. That's our responsibility, to learn how to be an endurer. You know, when you're young, starting out in life, you don't think much about this. You think you can handle anything. But as life goes on, the burdens become heavier. And the road becomes bumpier. And decisions become more complex. And other people's lives you have to be responsible for. And on and on and on. And so what this does is this all weights weight you down. There's no way to get through this. It all weights you down. And, but God's goal in your life is not to take away these things necessarily that weight you down. His goal in life is to give you strength to bear up under the weight of it all. And how many times have you said, boy, if one more thing happens to me, I'm done. <laughs> I am a goner. <laughs> because figuratively speaking, sometimes we're going like this. We're walking around and the weight comes on and the weight comes on and the weight comes on. And that's the meaning of the word endurance. It comes from two Greek words. Hupomene, uh, which means to remain under. And so throughout life, you know, young people start out in life and they're like this. They're straight up and down. <laughs> you know, they have a spring in their step. 
And as life wears them down, the spring goes away somewhere. <laughs> and uh, sometimes they're not so straight up and down. And at the end of the road, it's because of the wear and tear on everyone's life. Endurance. And so God says, listen, that's the lot of human nature on earth. You have to, you have to endure. And so I want to give you the strength to make it to the end of the journey. To endure. Not to give you the strength to go through your problems. Okay? Uh, and then he says, look what he says here in verse number 12. For when he has been passed the test, he will receive the crown of life. There's a special crown, the Bible says, for endurers. Now, I know that all of us would like to be mightily, exceptionally, incredibly used by God, wouldn't you? Of course. But you know what I've found out? That God uses us in that way, in quiet ways, in indescript ways. And the most important thing with God is our faithfulness to him. 1 Corinthians 4.2 says, Moreover, brethren, it is required in stewards that one be found faithful, not successful, not dynamic, not incredible, but faithful. And so faithful means that I'm just going to keep going on serving the Lord my whole life, even though the spring may be gone a little bit and I don't stand so straight anymore, uh, I want to endure all the way to the end because that's our responsibility. All of us, in effect, in this auditorium are pastors, shepherds to our circle of influence. We really are. People look at us. We have a circle of influence. And, uh, and they're looking at us and they're looking at us and they're saying, can they... Can they make it to the end? Will they make it to the end? Well, he says here, if you do make it to the end, I have a special crown for you just for enduring. And so all these issues that come into our life are to make us stronger. Not bitter, but what? Better, better right? Let's say that. Not bitter, but better. That's God's goal in our life. Uh, we have some wonderful senior citizens in our church, and I'll tell you what, um, a number of them, most of them, are, are not bitter with life. They are better. They are better. Because they learned the Christian lesson earlier, that these situations that they go through have a purpose. And that purpose is to create in them, to draw them to Christ, and when they are drawn to Christ, when they are drawn to Christ, they become stronger and they become a changed person. And so James talks about that's the acceptance of our responsibility. And then he talks about the expectation of God's good things. And the word there is family. Whenever we accept Christ as our Savior, we're in the family of God. And you know, that's a good thing. Doesn't the Bible say that? that uh, God gives good things to those who ask him? The family of God. In your family, you want to give them the best you, you can, right? I, I've heard so many parents say, you know, I had so little, 
and, and I'm there's some of that generation here. And I'm, I'm on the borderline of that generation. I don't want to admit it. I'm a, when I grew up in Sheridan in Pittsburgh, I remember we didn't have any money. We didn't have a car. Didn't have a car. Um, I know the kids in the neighborhood would get toys, and I would think, wow, how did they get that? I know a kid got a big yellow truck one time, and I thought, holy cow. I never saw anything like that. How many people? <laughs> Only a few of you can identify with those days, right? We throw those things away one by one today, right? Uh, but it's, it's important to understand that when we're in the family of God, God is not a pauper. He gives us blessings. He takes care of us. My mother and dad gave me the greatest thing, and you know what that is. That's, they introduced me to Christ. They gave me the love of a mother and father. And even though my sister and I didn't have the things that a lot of kids have today, we had something that a lot of kids don't have today. And that was love, and that was environment, and that was family. But look at verse number 17. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights with whom there is no variableness or shadow of turning. Every good gift. Uh, that's what God wants to give us. He is a good God. I wish we could just get people to understand this. God's trying to bless us. Could, could we get that this morning? God is trying to bless us. He's trying to put us in a position where he can bless us. Let me explain this to you further. Remember back in the Old Testament, Moses said to God, God, show me your glory. Now, whenever I heard that statement, I thought, boy, Moses wants to see lightning. He wants to see thunder. He wants the earth to move. And you know how God translated it? He said, okay, Moses, I'll show you my glory and he did. He said, Moses, I want you to stand over here, and I'm going to explain to you who I am. Because the glory of God is his character. It's who he is. That's the glory of God. And so he began to explain to Moses who he was. And listen what he said in uh, Exodus 34, 6. He said, I am merciful. I am gracious. I'm long-suffering. I abound in goodness and truth. And so the Bible says here, every good thing comes from God. We have a good God. He abounds in goodness. So what does that mean? We can trace each good thing back to God. All the good stuff in the world emanated from God. All the bad stuff in the world emanated from the devil. And Jesus kind of encapsulated it in John 10.10. 10. He said, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But I am come that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. So take the, take the bad things and trace them back to the devil. Take the good things and trace them all to God. And so we need to expect as Christians, because we are in the family of God, that God is going to give us good things. Do you believe that? Sure. He wants to give you good things more than you want to give your kids good things because he's a great giver of good things. And then what he talks about is the assurance of truth. Look at verse 18. 
Of his own will, he brought us forth by the word of truth. Now, the word of truth there means the Bible. You know, the scripture says you shall know the what? The truth, and the truth shall do what? Set you free. The truth is so freeing. It's incredible. And so here he says, um, we can have the assurance of the truth. We have the Bible, the word of truth. Verse number 18 says, of his own will. What does that mean? That means that God is the author of our salvation. This was what was on God's mind early on. Your salvation. His will is the genesis of our salvation. You know, we put such stress in the world, and I do because I'm like a personal evangelist. I like to talk to people about the Lord. If you stand still in front of me for like a minute, it's like everything changes with me. Hi, how you doing? By the way. Uh, I, that's the way I'm wired. That's the way I like to operate. That's just who I am. And, and uh, I just, that's what I do. That's what I do. But uh, the significant thing about this is, is that even though I like to do that, God wants to do that a whole lot more than I do. Because this whole idea of our salvation began with him. It's his idea. It's his idea. God created the human race to be his people. Satan came in and threw a wrench into the whole plan. But God's desire is still to save the human race. Because he is a God of love, grace, long-suffering, truth, goodness, kindness. And so his, that's, that's his desire. Uh, it's given to us in various ways in the Bible. Second Peter 3.9, I think, let's read this together today. The Lord isn't really being slow about his promise, as some people think. No, he is being patient for your sake. He does not want anyone to perish, so he is giving more time for everyone to repent. Why doesn't Jesus come back now? You know, I've said that ever since I've been saved. You know, why doesn't the Lord come back and solve all this mess? Get your news on the Drudge Report, by the way. Uh, why doesn't God come back and solve all this, this mess? Here's the reason, right here. Let's read this. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some count slackness, but is long-suffering to us, not willing that any should perish, that all should come to repentance. Oh, I love this. I love this. What's God's will toward your friends or the people you don't even like? It's right here. He's not willing that, what's the next word? Any should perish. You know, we look at people and we say, you know, I don't like them. I don't like anything about them. They don't deserve to know God. And you know what God says? I love them. I love them. Because I'm not willing that any should perish. 
and I'm not giving up any of them without a fight. You know, I ran into some bikers the other day, the pagans, by the way. I never thought I'd run into them, but I've run into a, a number of people lately that I never thought I'd run into. The pagans, the vandals, and, uh, you know, people are kind of like, when they come by, they're just like, holy cow. How, how do I relate to that? Well, you know me, naive John. I always have a pocket full of gospel tracts. And so just the other night, Friday night, I saw a few pagans there and I thought, you know what? He's not willing that, what? Any should perish. And I said, how you doing? How you doing? And I said, have you ever seen anything like this? Steps to peace with God. He said, no, we've never seen anything like that. I wonder why. Steps to peace with God. I said, you know, the Bible's a hard book to understand. They said, oh, yeah. Uh, but this, this guy who wrote this little article, uh, he simplified it. And he condensed it. And he put the main point in here, how we could have a good, strong relationship with God. And they said, oh, thanks a lot. And they start going through the booklet. Now, listen, I'm not trying to make myself look self-important about that at all because that's really nothing. That's really nothing. But, but I'm trying to stress to you that we can't look at people's, how they present themselves. God sees their heart, amen, and he loves them. And all over the world, there are people that people don't like or are not interested in. But, uh, but the truth can set everybody free. And uh, you and I are propagators of the truth. He's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Um, look what else it says here in verse number 18. Of his own will. Now, it was God's idea to save you. He brought us forth by the word of truth. We're saved through the word of God. That we might be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. Now, he's talking to the Jewish people here. The Christians, the early Christians who were the Jewish church. And they were like the first fruits. You and I today are not the first fruits. We're the harvest. We're the later fruits. The word first fruit is used a number of times in the Bible. Christ is the first fruits of the resurrection. The Holy Spirit is the first fruits of our salvation. Uh, and here, look at verse 21. Therefore lay aside all filthiness and uh, receive with meekness or humility the implanted word. The way people are saved today is this way. God uses the analogy of grafting. You know, in order to graft something into another thing, there has to be a cut. Some of you have done that, I think. You have a plant and you say, okay, I want to graft this plant into this plant. First of all, there's a cut. And then that other plant is inserted, or the other part of the plant is inserted. He said, that's the way I use the Bible. I find a cut in people's lives. 
Pain is the entrance through which God comes in our life. I would dare say today that most of us have come to Christ through some traumatic experience in our life. Some awful time. And we said, oh God, I wasn't ready to listen to you then, but I'll tell you what, I'm all ears now. The Bible comes into our life when we are cut. Pain is the opening in our life into which God comes. And uh, he, he sends the Bible to us and we hunger for it and he infuses his life into our pain through the scriptures. In fact, remember when Paul was talking to Timothy, he said, you've known the scriptures since a kid and they're able to make you wise. Never underestimate the power of the Bible. You know, I go around, and so do you. We go around passing out these little pamphlets, and they have scripture verses on. I came home the other night, and I was telling Joanne, I said, you know, I'm like a machine. You know, uh, I just spread it. And uh, I said, boy, I just would like to see some fruit. And she reminded me that the word of God does not return what? Void, right? Sure. God's word is out there. It's working away. Uh, Paul said in Romans 1.16, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it's the power of God unto salvation. I love the story of Dawson Trotman. When you go home, look his name up on the internet, Dawson Trotman. <clears throat> he was the... <coughs> excuse me. He was the valedictorian of his senior class. Uh, he had it all. But when he got out of school, his life went downhill... He started drinking. He started gambling. Uh, he was a pool shark. And he was out one night. He became drunk, and he couldn't find his car. He was arrested. And the policeman who arrested him said, uh, Are you happy with your life the way it is? And he said, No, I hate my life. There are a lot of people that are trapped in a life that they hate. He said, I hate my life. Not so long after that, a girl invited him to a service at a church. And years ago, churches like ours used to have times where they'd bring people together and they would memorize scriptures. They would have a contest. Anybody remember those years? One. Okay, you're not old enough to remember. How'd you do? You heard about that. Somebody told you about it. Lynn. Okay. Churches, churches like ours used to have contests where people would learn the scriptures and they'd compete again. And so he went to this church, and they were, they were having a contest of a scripture memorization. They gave out ten scriptures. They said, come back next week, and we'll see how many of you know. He came back, and nobody knew the ten but him. He's the guy who hates his life. The next week, he learned the next ten. The next week, he learned the next ten. And the next week, he gave his life to Christ was God's word. Dawson Trotman. He started to drive a truck and he started to memorize scripture and the first year he memorized 365 scriptures, one a day. Next year, 365. And on and on it went. He eventually started an organization called the Navigators and it's all over the world today. Look it up on the internet. He died a young man trying to save someone drowning in a lake in New York. 
But uh, it all started with a person whose life had pain and God grafted in the word of God into that pain. I hate my life. I have something that will help you. It's the word of God. I want to encourage you today. Uh, you, don't have to, you don't have to have a life that you hate. You just have to know that you need Christ. And that, that all the answers that you need in your life are right here in this book. And you can't get them unless you open it. And the more you open it, the more you'll get. And the Bible says, in summary today, this. Don't be just a hearer, but be a what? Doer. doer. Because the doer's life is the one who is blessed. And so what we do is we come to church and we hear and we go, uh-huh. God wants more than that. The Bible says if you just do that, you deceive yourself. You're wasting your time if you just go, uh-huh. If you say, okay, I'm going to implement that into my life. I'm going to plug that into my life. The Bible says you will be blessed. And so when you hear it, do it. Okay? It's really that simple. It is really that simple. So let's be committed today to, the peop to be people of the word. Don't let anything in the world come between you and the truth. And we need it now more than ever in America, don't we? Because in America, they're telling us that the truth is false. And that which is false is the truth. And so for the sake of your life and for the sake of your family, embrace the truth. Because it saves your soul and then it saves your life. Let's bow our heads in prayer. With our heads bowed and our eyes closed uh, this morning, don't be just a hearer of his word. Be a doer. Because God has a lifestyle, and it's called the law of liberty. And the more of these truths that you implement in your Bible, the more free you can become. The more set free from your addictions, from your attitudes, everything. God wants to renovate you by extracting these things that are hindering you from growing as a Christian. And so, when you have that pain, and all of us do, let God's Word infiltrate your system and begin to see life through God's, through God's eyes. And when God shows you something, jump on it and do it. And when God shows you something else, jump on that and do it. The Bible says if you'll do that, God will bless you. And I think everybody in our church today wants to be blessed by God. Dear Lord, we thank you so much for your word today. It, uh, it strengthens us. It gives us, uh, it gives us what we need for life. And I pray that as we leave on this summer Sunday that we will go home and cherish your word, embrace it, love it, assimilate it, and live it. 
Give us the grace to do these things, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand together as we sing our invitation song this morning. And as we sing this song, if you'd like to come and pray about any need you have, just feel free to do that.
people said? Amen. Let's see, Tom, do we have a couple plates back there at the door? You know, every time we have a missionary come by here, what we like to ask you to do is as you leave the church, just reach down there and find something to put in a plate. We like to fill up their gas tank a few times. Uh, they are worthy of our support. Now, we're going to help this young fellow that, that you heard this morning uh, on a monthly basis from the church, and then probably we'll do something in the Christmas offering for him as well. We want to encourage him. It's hard for these young missionaries uh, to get their support together. And so let's uh, embrace this couple and, and, and their, all of their five kids, okay? And uh, I know you will. Turn around and shake hands with everybody. God bless you. You're, you're dismissed. <laughs>